0: Welcome to the chat with your kids podcast. I'm Alex
1: and I'm Marcy. We're here to chat with you about connecting and having important conversations with the kids in your life.
0: The topic of this week is coping skills and we chose this as our first topic um, truthfully because we receive so many questions about coping skills and parenting from friends and family and others all the time. Um, Marcy and I are both mental health professionals we've worked in, with kids in different settings and coping skills are kind of fundamental for working with kids also as parents we need coping skills ourselves because life with kids can we be really do. <laughs> can be really difficult as you know um, and the, the other thing is that talking about coping skills and helping kids deal with difficult emotions is foundational for a lot of the other topics that we will cover and um, we just wanted to start off with this as our base.
1: For the first episode, we're so excited that you're here listening. So we want to begin with some self-reflection questions. We'll do this for every topic and our hope is with these questions that you can gain confidence surrounding whatever the topic is that week that you will feel more empowered and confident to go and engage with your child around that topic. And we recognize and hope that the way you use these self-reflection questions will maybe look different from person to person. So you may, if you are a journaler or more like introspective person, you may think about these and write in your journal if you... That would be me, by the way. (laughs) Yeah, that's Alex. If you are somebody who maybe likes to talk through things a little bit more, that's me, Mm -hmm. Um, you may want to use these self-reflection questions in a conversation. So if you're a family with two parents, maybe both parents listen to the podcast, do a little self-reflection, and then you can use these questions to Talk about how you each feel around this topic and what it would look like to chat with your kid about it. If you're a single parent, maybe finding another parent who's listening to the podcast and you can chat through these questions together or having another trusted adult in the life of your child, a grandparent, or maybe your best friend and using these reflection questions to, to chat. So we want to just jump in and introduce these, the questions for coping skills.
0: So the first question we have to consider is which coping skills were available to you as a child? So, yeah, Marcy, actually, (laughs) I remember her telling a story about a harmonica. I wonder if she would share.
1: (laughs) So... We, we definitely talked about that beforehand. (laughs) So when we were talking about these, this question for both of us, the coping skill that definitely stood out from both of our childhood coping skills is my harmonica. So when I was probably like eight or nine, my mom, she was a school teacher and she would always bring home books from the book fair and she got me this like beginner harmonica book and it came with a little harmonica. And I started to develop this habit when I was really mad or upset. I would go in my room and I had about like a one foot space between my bed and the wall. I'd throw all my pillows and blankets in there. I'd squeeze down there and I would play the blues on my harmonica. And I don't know, it kind of has become a family joke. Like if I'm upset, it's like, oh, go play your harmonica, Marcy. But ultimately, like, I'm really proud of Kid Marcy because we'll talk a little bit today about what makes an adaptive coping skill and my harmonica definitely fits the equation.
0: Yeah, it's actually pretty pretty impressive.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, fortunately for Alex, I no longer use that coping skill. <laughs> or maybe unfortunately, <laughs> I don't know.
0: The harmonica rests gracefully in her sock drawer.
1: <laughs> so the next question for self-reflection is which coping skills do you currently use so just kind of thinking what are the things that you currently do when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed or your kids are just getting on your nerves or work or whatever it may be what do you go to
0: yeah and these questions again they're for reflection and truthfully none of us are really perfect at using coping skills when we need them um But I think we all have something. There's something that we do when we're feeling strong feelings, things that are hard to deal with. Sometimes we're going through the day, we're really busy and we have a lot to do and we don't always slow down and take time to confront whatever's bothering us. That's pretty normal. It's totally fine. Sometimes, you know, chocolate chips help us get through the day. (laughs) That's fine. You know, we do all kinds of things that can be helpful and at other times avoidant. Um, but what's important is to identify those things as well. The things that maybe take us away from confronting the difficult feelings, but also the things that really do help us and are more adaptive. Well, like Marcy said, we'll talk about that more later.
1: Yeah. And just being aware of what you're doing, how you're coping is a great starting point. Like, yeah. like we talked about, um, and especially even just being aware of what are you modeling for your child? What are they seeing you do?
0: Yeah. Unfortunately they learn from everything we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: So just kind of having that awareness, you don't have to have perfect coping skills. I promise neither of us do. It's definitely a work in progress.
0: Another question that we have to consider is how were feelings or emotions talked about or validated when you were a kid? So think about how did your parents or siblings deal with emotions or help you deal with your emotions? if they did. Um, some people didn't have that experience growing up.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, part of this, sometimes looking back at how a different topic was, you know, taught to us or modeled or how our feelings, you know, validated when we were a child, just being kind of aware and thinking about what patterns did I learn as a child? And maybe as you reflect, you identify patterns or things that you, you know, patterns you want to break, things you want to be do differently. Or maybe you say, I'm really grateful that I have that in my home, that my parents listened to my feelings and validated and taught me how to recognize my emotions. So whatever it is, just again, your childhood experience will impact the way you parent. And so it's important that we spend a little bit of time reflecting on on how it does so that kind of brings us to the last uh question for self-reflection which is which coping skills does your child or children currently have available or use so just kind of think about your kid when they're having a tough time how do they respond how do they cope
0: and again it could be things right just like us our kids will do things that are sometimes uh adaptive or helpful for them and other times are not they might both be ways of dealing with feelings right so you know a two or three year old even a five year old who knows (laughs) when they're overwhelmed might scream or throw something or um right but what they're trying to do is figure out how to express these feelings in a way that will help them get what they want or what they need they just may not understand uh, uh an effective way to do that um But they might also have lots of other really, like, helpful and adaptive coping skills. So, like, right now, um, our older son, who's three and a half, um, he's a very social boy, extremely social. (laughs) He loves to spend time with people. He loves to talk. For me, I mentioned earlier, I'm introverted. I love my son, and I also need personal time. And so I've tried to work with him, and Marcy's worked with him, too, over time to help him – recognize that sometimes when he's overwhelmed he needs he like leans into being with people but it might be more helpful for him to separate and take some time alone and lately the past few weeks few months maybe he's actually when he feels overwhelmed or frustrated or mad um he'll do some other things but he's started to do some independent play so he'll go pick up a toy and start doing like imaginative play Um, and then he'll, I
1: need space.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it's really cute. And then he'll come back and he'll tell us, he'll be able to talk about us in a few minutes, what was going on. Um,
1: which is a really important piece for him because he is very much social and relationship driven. And so, um, sometimes he needs a little bit of space to just play and be calm and then come back and be with somebody that he loves and kind of process the experience that that he's, he's having.
0: Yeah.
1: So those are the self-reflection questions. Um, and now we want to just kind of have a, a conversation about coping skills and, uh, hopefully give you, like we said earlier, some confidence going into having a conversation with your kid or just helping them develop healthy coping skills. And, Of course, there are so many different coping skills and depending on a person and their temperament and their personality, uh, those what's most effective is going to vary. But we kind of want to, we've divided coping skills into kind of two categories, what we're going to call the non-negotiable. We're going to present two coping skills that we believe everyone should have. Uh, granted, not everyone does. <laughs> We're still working on it. You don't have to be perfect at it. And then the non-negotiable coping skills are a little bit more flexible. We'll talk a little bit more about based on a child and their needs. There's a lot of wiggle room there.
0: Yeah. Well, and these are things that we talk about with our clients all the time. They're they're really foundational. So. The two skills are that are absolutely essential are labeling our feelings. And the second one is there's a lot of variations, but it's something like deep breathing or mindfulness kind of in that realm. We'll talk about that here in a sec.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So that first skill of labeling and talking about your feelings. This is such an important coping skill because it allows your child the opportunity to really process and think about what why they are feeling that way, whether it's anxious or nervous or afraid. It's giving them the skill of recognizing what's going on in their body. Maybe they're having a physical response, their muscles are tightened, their heart is pounding. There, you know, whatever it is, and that they can take a step back and say, "Wait a minute, I know what's happening. I'm feeling nervous," and so even just recognizing and labeling that feeling is so important because our feelings give us messages. They send information to our bodies and our minds. To say, you know, for instance, a nervous, it may be, "Hey, I don't like this. Get me out of this situation," or you know, whatever that feeling it is it's it's sending a message to our body so teaching well, like, a child yeah
0: yeah and imagine like if you're if you were hungry and your stomach was hurting telling you that you needed food but you didn't know what that meant like you didn't know to say oh i'm hungry or i'm thirsty i should go get some food or some water things wouldn't go well for you <laughs> you know like you would need eventually to figure out that that feeling means you need to eat or drink and so that's and at parallel, I guess, some yeah. a way to think about it. I
1: like that. I like that. That would be detrimental for Alex because he <laughs> <laughs> eats a I lot. I eat like six or seven times a day. It's, yeah. <laughs> he definitely requires food. He knows when he's hungry. We'll just put it at that. <laughs> we'll put it at that. Um, so coping skills are skills, right? And most skills need to be learned. <laughs> so how do you teach or help your child develop that skill of labeling and talking about their feelings Um, one of the ways is by modeling it yourself as their parent. So it can be as simple as, I am feeling so loved right now. Thank you for just spending this time and watching a movie with me as a family. I really feel loved by all of you. Or, oh, I'm feeling so frustrated because somebody at work, um was gossiping about me and I am frustrated that they didn't just talk to me to my face whatever it is little disclaimer with this one <laughs> it is not your child's job to validate your feelings or be your therapist <laughs> so while we do want to model this for them if we see you know our child really stepping in and trying to make things better or trying to hold your emotions or, you know, trying to work around what you're feeling, that's a really good opportunity for you to take a step back and say, wait a minute, it is not their job to validate my feelings as a parent. Now, vice versa, as a parent, yes, it is your job to validate your child's feelings and emotions, but we would never want to put that weighty responsibility on a child. So if you are finding, hey, you feel like your kid is stepping into that role a little bit much, that's a, a good time to say, hey, I need to go talk to a friend I need to go talk to somebody an adult who can help me process this because it's not my kid's job
0: yeah a good another good cue for this is we I guess asking ourselves is this something that I have the resources to handle myself so we can share kind of smaller mundane things like issues at work or whatever like general life frustrations um, and it's okay. Our kids because kids are kind of innately responsive to emotions, they probably will offer some kind of comfort. Like there have been days where I've cried in front of my kids and my my son's given me a hug, you know, yeah. and it's it's, it's, sweet, part of the it's tender and it helps yeah, it helps him learn how to respond to people who have feelings. Um, but what Marcy's saying, I think what you're saying is that we shouldn't trauma dump on our kids. Yeah. Like if there's, there's going to be times in our life where we're facing things that are bigger than us and we can't handle fully yet. And those things we should not share with our kids. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there's, yeah. you know. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, so another way that we can help develop this skill in our kids is by validating and helping them to label their feelings. So what that might look like is a, you know, short reflective statement when you recognize your child is having a big feeling. So it could be something like you are feeling mad because you wanted to play with the blocks and your brother's already playing with them. So you're just you know, you see what's going on and you're giving them that vocabulary initially. You're just saying, Hey, let me validate what you're feeling.
0: Well, and a, a, again, another place that we can, we need to be a little cautious is not asserting what our kids are feeling. Cause that can be confusing for them. If we say, Oh, you're feeling mad. And they're like, actually, I'm not mad. I'm scared or I'm lonely or I'm happy. Right? Like, we can mislabel their, our kids' feelings. And a lot of times they will correct us, but we do need to be careful not to say what they're feeling too strongly. So we might consider saying it like, it looks like you're feeling, you know, it looks like you're feeling mad. Um, because it gives the opportunity, it show, it expresses a little bit of uncertainty so that we can let our kid, we can leave the door open for them to tell us if we're right or wrong. Because mm-hmm. they will.
1: And I, what I really like about what Alex is saying is leaving the door open for them to correct us if they need to. I think a lot of times when I do work on developing this skill and helping parents start doing this with kids, they they express that um, concern or fear, which is very valid, of, well, I don't want to get it wrong. Um, And so...
0: And we will, like, half the time.
1: And what's really cool about that is even if you get it wrong, if you leave it kind of, like, very open, you know, like, it looks like you're feeling or... You know are you feeling is you give them the opportunity to correct you and when they correct you which they will they will correct you if you get it wrong and you're giving them the opportunity to use that very skill so in some ways, sometimes when you get it wrong, it's like a happy little accident. <laughs> Thank you, Rob Ross. Because now your child gets to be the one labeling their emotion, right? I'm not mad that I didn't make the cheer team mom. I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my best friend because she did and I didn't, right? And so what a beautiful moment. Not only are they labeling their emotion, but they're going to give you an explanation of, no, you're you know, you're know wrong. This is actually how you feel and here's why. So, it's a really great opportunity to let them try the skill out.
0: Some some comfort too on this note. There's a renowned child psychologist. His name's Peter Fonagy. He's a clinical psychologist. But um, I listened to him talk once. He was talking about his own kids, and he said, you you know, he spent what 30, 40 years studying the ch- child development, working with kids, and he said even with his own kids, it's fifty fifty at best. You know, he he's very knowledgeable, does his best, but even his best leads to a 50-50 shot. So I found that really comforting a couple of years ago right after we had our first kid and I was trying to figure out, you know, how do we do this? Yeah. Um, and even the best of the best, it, it's I guess it's not the point to perfectly understand everything our children are feeling. The point is to have a solid relationship where we can we can connect and talk through it together.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, how beautiful is that, like... It's really, the, the purpose, like Alex is saying, is not to get it right every time, but it's to show them, I'm here. I care about what you are feeling and what you're experiencing. I'm seeking yeah. to understand you and have a moment where, yeah, I understand you and yeah, we connect. Um, and so that is, you know, that really is such an important way of like modeling yourself, validating your child's feelings, labeling them, and sometimes it's it's going to be difficult or, or frustrating, right? Like, we've all been in the grocery store when our kid, in that checkout line. I don't know why, especially the, like, TJ Maxx, right? It's, like, a whole line of gummies. It's, like, a mile-long line of, like, gummies and candy and chocolates. And, you know, we've all been there, just, like, the toddler on the brink of meltdown. And it's really hard in those moments especially to – Validate and label emotions, right? Because you just want them
0: to stop. To stop,
1: right? (laughs) Anything to stop this. Yeah. So it's um it's definitely a long game, right? You're not gonna get it right. And and something beautiful is maybe you don't perfectly handle that. Maybe you don't validate their feelings in the TJ Maxx shopping line. But you can start. You can use that to start a conversation later in the car. Hey, you know what? I just want to say I am sorry I realized you know I got a little bit frustrated first you can label model your feelings I was frustrated because I was sick of shopping and I wanted to get out of there but I recognize you were feeling excited because there was a lot of candy to look at or frustrated because I told you no or whatever it is so you can always go back and repair and and have that conversation later
0: and we likely have to do that every day too. It's just part of life. We're not perfect. I, today at dinner, I had to repair with one of our kids. So it's it's just a daily thing.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's constant. <laughs> it's constant in our home. Um, so the second non-negotiable yeah. coping skill, like Alex mentioned earlier, is some sort of like deep breathing, mindfulness, something that, you know, These are skills that you can always have in your pocket. You can have it wherever you go, so to speak, right? Um,
0: You're always breathing.
1: Yeah, you're always (laughs) breathing. And it, in a lot of ways, it's such an important skill because it creates space between the feeling and the action. And I think this is, honestly, it's such a good coping skill for parents, too, of just being able to You know when something happens when they break that brand new candle of just like if it you know that five seconds of just taking a deep breath and then choosing to respond or act it can make all the difference of just giving that like space to calm
0: yeah so deep breathing and these meditation or mindfulness style interventions where they really work is because emotions are physical. Um, they're related to all sorts of stuff in our psychology, but really they're felt physically. They exist in our physical bodies. And so what makes breathing and mindfulness techniques useful is that they help ground us. Um, there's a lot of like philosophical, cultural, historical reasons why our lives in modern America, (laughs) um, make it really easy for us to mentally detach from our physical bodies, right? We're always kind of living, moving forward, thinking about the future, thinking about progress. Um, our lives are extremely busy, hectic with kids. It's really easy to have a million things spinning around in our minds all the time and be kind of, separated from our bodies in a way like not obviously not literally but we can kind of pass by these things that are going on like the frustrations the tension um sadness happiness peace whatever like we can so quickly pass by these feelings and so when we take a few seconds to pause and focus on breathing um, it allows us to kind of re-engage with our bodies, to kind of come back in line with the physical sensations of our bodies. Um, there's there's all kinds of mindfulness techniques that do something similar, um, but deep breathing is by far the simplest. You can always do it. It's very easy to remember. Um, and the just a really easy way to do it is to breathe and focus on the sensation of the air coming into your lungs and leaving your lungs. Um,
1: And there's a lot of like cute little ways you can almost make it a game for younger kids like balloon breathing, pretend that you have a balloon in your belly and put your hands on your belly and fill the air up.
0: Kids love it. And
1: let it out. Or, you know, roller coaster breathing, open up your, you know, hand and breathe up and then down and kind of like trace the outline of your hand, breathing up and breathing out. So there's a lot of fun little games, um, a lot of information out there. And just as, you know, people who are working on developing this skill in young children, it, it may feel frustrating at first. And it definitely is something that takes a lot of exposure and a lot of time of teaching your child this um
0: but it's never too late to start where however old your kid is never too late to start
1: yes exactly and you know even if your child is 18 like this skill getting this skill um they're still in their childhood in their youth is so valuable it's something that they will benefit their entire lives and so keep working at it you know don't get Frustrated. It's going to take some time or even with yourself (laughs) of like remembering to take that mindful moment to breathe when you're experiencing challenging emotions. But the more you work at it, you're, you know, you're going to see with your child, you're going to see them using it one day, just like, like a miracle. (laughs) It'll happen. Or even with yourself when you just remember to create that space. And, and then when you realize, Hey, this is nice you know, keep, keep on going. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So now we kind of want to talk a little bit about the more flexible or (laughs) non-negotiable coping skills. And these are going to vary from person to person. For instance, I, know that Alex would love to play volleyball as a coping skill that would probably be very effective for him. That's
0: true. I love to play volleyball. I like sports.
1: Yeah. So Alex would probably find that very nice. I would probably need to use a lot of my coping skills just to get through a game of volleyball. <laughs> it would not be therapeutic for me at all. It we would, tried. Yeah, <laughs> like, we would, it would be an all-hands-on-deck kind of situation. So again, one thing that could be a coping skill for Alex would not necessarily be for me. Um, so these are really going to vary. And from child to child, if you have multiple ch- children in your family, as you think about these other coping skills, it's going to be helping them really... Decide and understand what is effective for them. So I have worked in um, schools with kids pre-K through 12th grade, a variety of of kids, and I frequently ask the question, "What do you do when you're having a hard time?" and I, well, I don't know. I'm curious, Alex, if you have like a similar situation, but I feel like.
0: I mean, with my young adult and adult clients, it's very similar, I think, to what you're going to say. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But like 90% of the time, that is definitely just a ballpark number. I get one of three answers, YouTube, video games, or social media. That is like, The go-to response. Music,
0: yeah, it's a lot with adults. A lot of times, it's music, yeah, Yeah. or TV.
1: Yeah, like people our age, I feel like, yeah, it's more like music, binge watch a series, Yeah. yeah. Um, and so something that I think is like interesting about this, and something that you know I work on with the kids I work with is kind of defining what makes an adaptive or healthy coping skill. And while these things—watching, you know, YouTube videos, watching, playing video games, social media—while these can be really good distractors, um, which sometimes that's what you need. If you're just like dealing with mild frustrations of kind of a busy day at school, that might be just what the doctor ordered—is <laughs> just a little bit of distraction. Yeah, they're not.
0: They're not, they're not bad. bad. It, yeah. Yeah, but if it's the only thing we have available, we might, at times, be left. I guess without the resources, we might not, for one thing, we might not be able to sit down and watch a show every time we're frustrated Yeah. (laughs) and distraction might not always be the right thing. Like if we have to face a crisis at work or with our kids right away, being distracted is the opposite of what we need to do. So it has its place, but it can't be the only thing we have.
1: Mm -hmm. And so something that as you're talking about this with your kids that can, I promise, ask them that question, you're probably gonna get one of those answers and one thing that can be a helpful conversation starter to kind of get those like those gears turning um is defining a coping skill is something as something that helps you to let out those difficult or challenging emotions it's something expressive creative it helps you let out those feelings that are trapped inside you so for instance Art or expression, dance, painting, writing, those are all letting something out. You're creating, you're expressing yourself. Physical activity, a run, yoga, football, those are all letting something out. Um, even reading, you're using your imagination, you're creating these scenes in your mind. You're not only taking something in, you're, there, it takes some creation, some thought, some expression. So that's kind of one of the, I guess, like a gauge that I like to use. And I think a lot of kids, that resonates with them of kind of that rule of like, is it letting you express or let something out? Um, For instance, the harmonica, (laughs) playing your harmonica is letting something out. It's expressive.
0: Yeah, well, and I think along with that is um, letting out the, emotion in a way that can help you kind of get what it is that you need. So we might be frustrated because, or mad because somebody does something wrong to us, right? Like a kid might get mad because somebody took their toy. It's important for the kid to be able to express them, their, their feeling of being mad and for them to learn how to handle that social situation in the future. So that what makes a coping skill adaptive is being able to express being mad in a way that's not detrimental like they don't hurt the kid back or take their toy back or you know yell at somebody or whatever um they do something creative and learn a way that can help them like improve their interaction with the kid in the future get
1: access to that toy hey that's mine i was playing with it or can i have a turn or you know yeah
0: like patience sharing asking directly those kinds of things yeah well one of the things that i that marcy's done with our kids um with our oldest, actually. So I mentioned earlier he's very social, and he likes to laugh. He's a, He likes to joke. He likes to make people laugh. He likes to laugh himself. Um, but like anybody, he gets mad sometimes. And Marcy started doing this with him. She calls it letting the mad out. But basically when he gets really frustrated or mad, she would tell him, Oh, no, we need to get the mad out. Let's uncork you. <laughs> 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 so, felt like, That's so weird. So <laughs> like twist off his, you know, like figuratively, like playfully kind of twist off like his elbow or his knee or something and then like kind of like squeeze out the mad, right? But mm-hmm. it's a way that it's kind of fun for him because he gets that like pressure and sensation, but he's it's also... He's breathing it
1: out. We usually do deep breathing with him. Yeah, he's
0: breathing it out. But then it ends up turning, he turns from mad to like silly and playful. Um, and then it becomes something like a game that he likes to play. So... It's really effective. It's one of uh, what I would consider a flexible coping skill because it's useful for our son in particular because of who he is. Mm-hmm. It might not work with our other son, actually. We, we were, just were just talking, talking about, about, this, about that, yeah. That we, we might have to think of other ways when as he's growing older to deal with his feelings. But it works really well for our older son.
1: Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so there's lots of different ways. And I think that's where there's kind of the fun is – We talked about, hey, this works really well for the oldest, but the baby, he's still pretty young. We're saying, "Hmm, I don't know, I wonder if this would work for him. And we were kind of talking about his personality and his strengths and what we think would be some helpful coping skills for him. And it sparked a really nice conversation where we were thinking about our child, you know, what he has available to him now as a baby and, and how we can help facilitate that and help him discover what is most effective for him in coping. So we want to finish off with some conversation starters. Hopefully you've been kind of reflecting on coping skills, your own coping skills, and maybe you're feeling a little more confident. Like, hey, I think this is a conversation I could have with my kids. But sometimes the hardest part is just getting the ball rolling. And so we want to Just share some ideas of ways, you know, questions you could ask or just ways to get that started. So the first one is something we actually have already mentioned is just that question. What do you do to feel better when you're having a hard time Uh, and see what their responses are? And that is just a really simple question that can lead to a really productive conversation. You can also ask like, hey, do you know what a coping skill is? Right. So just just starting with a question about coping skills.
0: Yeah, and this can be tailored to kids at almost any age. I mean, you know, even even young kids. We can we can ask them what they do when they're feeling sad or whatever. We don't have to. You can be more specific. You know what? What do you do when you're feeling mad? How do you deal with that? Um,
1: What do you do do to feel happy when you're feeling mad? Yeah,
0: yeah. you might be surprised by their answers.
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Um, that's. I think that's one of the fun things about chat with your kids, is just when you start having these conversations. I think kids always surprise us. Like, I love all the kids I work with, with our own kids. I just, like, every day I'm in awe at the the thoughts and the profound things these kids have to say. It is really fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and this, I mean, even, I don't know, I'm just imagining some people might be feeling like, even that's a lot right to have this kind of conversation to ask this question to their kid and if you are feeling that way we understand it can be kind of intimidating um it may sound silly to say it's as simple as just asking a question but really like trust your kids trust yourself um ask the question keep it simple just listen like Mm -hmm. it it does work it'll it'll help you connect
1: yeah definitely um They, I think so many kids will just be thrilled that, that you were curious, that you wanted to know, and that you're willing to listen to what they had to say. Another great conversation starter are like books. There are so many books available for infants all the way up to high schoolers um, about the topics we've talked about today, feelings and emotions.
0: Even the Pete the Cat books, if you're familiar with those, there's some there's some good sound principles in there for dealing with emotions.
1: Yeah, definitely. So there are books that are specifically written about these topics. One that I really love is um, Ruby Finds a Worry. That's
0: a good one. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and there's this like really profound part that like gave me chills the first time I read it to my kids when it's like, this little girl, she's super worried and then um ultimately it says like Ruby did the best thing you can do when you have a worry. She talked about it. And so there's some books that like really directly address this. And then like Alex was saying there's other like books and media that like any story evolves emotion, right? Or, you know, frustration, right? Pete the cat needs to use coping skills sometimes. And so it doesn't even have to be a book written on the topic to get this conversation going.
0: Anything that helps you connect with the human experience. I mean, it could be, yeah, could be, I don't know, Dude Perfect, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the videos. <laughs> the, rage, the rage monster on Dude Perfect is a great example of, uh, you know, a time that to start a conversation. Like, wow, is that, do you think that was the best way for him to deal with his angry feelings? Smashing the <laughs> wedding cake? <laughs> yeah smearing it all over the guests,
1: <laughs> yeah, like non examples, I think are you know, yeah, sometimes when you're watching maybe just a movie together or whatever, you can use that non example of, oh, yeah, it doesn't seem like he handled that very well. What could have be done differently, or what would have you done in the situation if he was your friend, what would you do to help him, um you know, using media for the good examples and not so good examples.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, for now, that's the end of this first episode.
1: Thank you so much for listening. It really means the world to us. We're so excited to be doing this and hope that it can be a useful resource to listeners of the show.
0: And if you find it useful, you can get more information at our website, chatwithyourkids.com. Um, every episode, will have show notes and it links if there's any relevant information that we've, we've shared.
1: We would also love to hear from you, whether it's questions or comments or feedback on how we can improve the show and the experience for you. So you can email us, chatwithyourkids at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at chatwithyourkids and we would be thrilled. Like, honestly, we would love to hear from you. Um, well, like Alex said, this is the end of the first episode. We hope that you will join us next week. And until then, enjoy chatting with your kids.